Politics, Power, and the People. From Washington, D.C., this is The Week on the Hill. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. The State of the Union Address is one of the most iconic events in the nation's capital. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi surprised the White House and a lot of lawmakers by requesting that President Trump reschedule the address, citing security concerns. We're saying let's get a date when government is open. Let's pay the employees. Maybe he thinks it's okay not to pay people who do work. I don't. And uh, my caucus doesn't either. Initially, the White House had little response, but that changed on Thursday when right before Pelosi and other lawmakers were about to leave Capitol Hill for a secret trip to Afghanistan to visit U.S. troops, the president announced that the congressional delegation wouldn't be allowed to take a military plane for the trip, citing the government shutdown. The president didn't comment on his letter to her directly, but in an address at the Pentagon, he made his displeasure with her clear. While many Democrats in the House and Senate would like to make a deal, Speaker Pelosi will not let them negotiate. The party has been hijacked by the open borders fringe within the party. Joining me now is WTOP's Emeritus Senior Capitol Hill correspondent Dave McConnell. Dave, the president's order was rare, and how unique was Pelosi's request related to the State of the Union? This development is very rare, nothing like it in my memory. Though Presidents Roosevelt and Truman canceled the State of the Union speech during World War II, and Jimmy Carter in January of 1981 as he was about to leave the White House, and Ronald Reagan after the Challenger disaster of 1986. Speaker Pelosi suggested President Trump could send a written speech to the Capitol, as presidents did till Woodrow Wilson revived the spoken address in 1913. Suggestions the speech be given in the Senate, controlled by Republicans or outside the Capitol, have been made, but no resolution of this dispute is in sight, Mitchell. Now, beyond this political battle, there's the shutdown itself. Democrats on a daily basis banging the drum for the president to reopen the government while Republicans are critical of Democrats for not compromising on the border wall. Missouri Republican Vicki Hartzler and Democratic Majority Leader Steny Hoyer were among many to take the House floor. We need to end this shutdown now. Reopen the government first and discuss rationally how best to secure our borders, an objective many of us have voted to do over the years with substantial increases in our investment in security at all of our borders. Why are we fighting to secure our border? And it's because we care about people. There is a drug crisis in this country, and the drugs are coming across our southern border into our states. Dave, is there any middle ground here? Well, not so far, apparently. Republicans accuse Speaker Pelosi of not being willing to negotiate. Democrats insist the shutdown must end before talks on border security continue, and the game of legislative chicken just continues. In past shutdowns, there seems to have been some kind of end game. What about here? Well, like everything else in the Trump era, Mitchell, this event seems to have a life of its own. While surveys indicate President Trump and Republicans are taking more heat than Democrats, that still hasn't reached the threshold where a white flag is going up at the White House or on the GOP side of the aisle. Usually by now, one side or the other is blamed for the disruption. But the country is so polarized that hasn't happened yet. It may take a national emergency of some kind, a walkout by air traffic controllers or TSA workers at airports, or an economic downturn to shock lawmakers and the president into action.
If it weren't for the shutdown, the confirmation hearings for the president's nominee for attorney general, William Barr, would be getting much more attention. Dave, Democrats did have a lot of questions related to how Barr would handle the Russia probe. That's right. Democrats remain very concerned about whether Barr will release the full transcript of the Mueller report on Russia's meddling. They charge his responses have been evasive and confusing when pressed about how much information he might give out and how, how he'd do that. Barr's view that the Mueller report is confidential and ought to be treated that way disturbs Democrats. Still, I haven't got the votes to block his nomination, and his Senate confirmation seems assured, accepting any unforeseen events, Mitchell. During the Barr hearing, there was a moment that may have bearing on a bombshell report from BuzzFeed News, in which sources suggested President Trump's former lawyer Michael Cohen was directed to lie to Congress and to claim that negotiations for a Trump Tower in Moscow ended sooner than they actually did as the 2016 presidential campaign was getting underway. Cohen reportedly told Robert Mueller's team about the order to lie. Given that story, it's interesting to listen to this exchange between Minnesota Senator Amy Amy Klobuchar and William Barr. The president persuading a person to commit perjury would be obstruction. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Or any, any, well, you know, any person who persuades person. another. To, yeah. Okay. You also said that a president or any person convincing a witness to change testimony would be obstruction. Is that right? Yes. Okay. With Mueller's report expected soon, Dave, this doesn't look good. Well, we have to think about a couple of things first about that, Mitchell. Despite Cohen's explosive allegations on a number of issues, not just this one, he's also been accused of lying under oath to federal prosecutors. His critics just don't trust him. So we'll have to see how this new revelation plays out as House Democrats prepare to question him in an open hearing early in February. And now moving to the case of Iowa Republican Steve King. The House has condemned the terms white nationalism and white supremacy, a rebuke of King, who in a New York Times interview questioned how they became offensive. A censure proposal has now been referred to the Ethics Committee. Dave, how likely is he to face more punishment from his colleagues, and what's the history of these kind of efforts? A stronger rebuke or ultimately expulsion from the House appears unlikely. Tougher punishment for King could prompt House Republicans to demand equal treatment for Democrats accused of questionable behavior, like Michigan Representative Rashida Tlaib, who called President Trump an expletive-deleted word we can't use here on this station. Leading Republicans clearly want to get rid of King, who's become a political liability for them. Ironically, outside criticism, no matter how powerful or justified, sometimes has a boomerang effect as local voters resent being told what to do by outsiders here in Washington. For instance, Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy's anti-communist witch hunts, dismaying his Senate colleagues, but Wisconsin voters seemed to approve, at least for a while. But in time, McCarthy's unfounded accusations drew widespread condemnation and censured by the full Senate, rendering McCarthy politically ineffective. In the House, despite lapses involving tax evasion and expensive congressional junkets, New York Congressman Adam Clayton Powell managed to get reelected until the 1970 primary, when Harlem voters finally tired of him and chose challenger Charles Rangel to succeed him. And Ohio's Jim Trafficant was expelled from the House in 2002 after his conviction for using campaign funds for personal use. But Trafficant remained popular enough to get 15% of the vote as he ran for re-election from jail. Launching a re-election campaign from behind bars. Probably not the best way to get back to Congress. For WTOP's Dave McConnell, I'm Mitchell Miller, and this has been The Week on the Hill. Along with my Democratic colleagues, I'm ready to work in good faith to write a Department of Homeland Security bill that funds smart, effective border security. These negotiations, I think, must not end with platitudes or promises. 
They must yield results that actually secure the border. Alabama Senator Richard Shelby and New York Congresswoman Nita Lowy, key members of a bipartisan congressional panel that's trying to reach an agreement on border security and the border wall. The initial round of talks included guarded optimism, but were overshadowed the next day by the war of words between President Trump and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi over the president's border wall. There's not going to be any wall money. If you go to Tijuana and you take down that wall, you will have so many people coming into our country that Nancy Pelosi will be begging for a wall. Joining me is Emeritus Senior Capitol Hill correspondent Dave McConnell. Dave, the president has indicated plenty of skepticism about lawmakers' efforts. Could we be facing another shutdown showdown? Certainly could, even if the president decides to declare a state of emergency and use unspent defense money to fund the wall. His failure to sign off on a new government funding bill means we go back to square one and hundreds of thousands of federal workers go unpaid. Interestingly, most Republicans regret the recent federal close-down and the damage it's done to them politically. So, would enough Republicans join Democrats in overriding a presidential veto of a bill to keep the federal agencies running? That's the question we have to ask now, Mitchell. Also this week, the House approved a pay raise for federal workers. They're not living high in the hog. And they deserve and need this adjustment. 25% of them believe that raises do not happen based on merit. Dave, what are the prospects of this pay raise making it through the Senate? It's unclear, Mitchell. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell hasn't signaled yet whether or not he might bring up the bill. Republicans still control the Senate, and a number of them remain cool to federal pay raises and very critical of the size and general work ethic of government employees. Also, it takes 60 eyes to advance legislation in the Senate. Right now, it's not at all clear if Democrats have the votes to pass this pay raise. Also this week, a big disconnect was exposed in a Senate intelligence hearing involving the nation's top intelligence officials assessing threats from around the world. Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats. We currently assess that North Korea will seek to retain its WMD capabilities and is unlikely to completely give up its nuclear weapons and production capabilities. While ISIS is nearing territorial defeat in Iraq and Syria, the group has returned to its guerrilla warfare roots while continuing to plot attacks and direct its supporters worldwide. The president later tried to patch the differences over, but Dave, how significant was this split? Well, it's very significant, and for a lot of people who watch foreign policy very, very closely, I think it's very disturbing for them that the president not only refuted the assertions of his defense and security experts, who insisted ISIS and the Taliban are still major threats, no matter what the president says, and they credited Iran with pretty much living up to that nuclear deal signed by President Obama, despite the president's insistence they are not. At first, the president publicly refuted their conclusions, then he insisted that what they said had been taken out of context and were basically in agreement with him, even though they clearly took a different view in public testimony. Observers find all this puzzling, to say the least, Mitchell. There was also a rare rebuke for the president in the Senate on his plans for military withdrawal in Syria. That's right. Though non-binding, this proposal sends a blunt message to the commander-in-chief that members of his own party fear his actions could weaken U.S. efforts to deal with the war on terrorism allowing ISIS and the Taliban to regain the offensive in Syria and Afghanistan. While this shows a greater willingness of congressional Republicans to criticize the president, at least on foreign policy, we haven't come to an out-and-out break yet. 
but who knows what could happen in the months ahead to change things. Following a 35-day government shutdown, a political showdown between President Trump and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the State of the Union address takes place Tuesday evening, a week after it was originally scheduled. Dave, this comes with the backdrop of the battle over the border wall, as well as the president's suggestion he's ready to declare a national emergency to get funding for the wall. What can we expect? This is the bully pulpit the president almost lost as Speaker Nancy Pelosi refused admittance to the House floor to deliver his State of the Union while the government was shut down. Now the president's got another chance to pitch for his border wall, the issue that sparked the close down of a quarter of government. Now the president's got another chance to pitch for his border wall, the issue that sparked the close down of a quarter of the government. Mr. Trump now has a prime opportunity for that and more. Defending his controversial moves on tariffs, proposed troop pullouts in Syria and Afghanistan, and touting the latest jobless figures. And blasting the Mueller probe to mention just a few topics that might come up. Some say the State of the Union speech is more pep rally than serious policy discussion, but few presidents, Mr. Trump least of all, can resist the chance to attack his critics and appeal to his base with maximum exposure. A growing number of Democrats have their eyes on becoming the president, and Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz has shaken things up by announcing he's considering a run as an independent. I am seriously thinking of running for president. I will run as a centrist independent outside of the two-party system. Dave, that sentence from Schultz on 60 Minutes makes a lot of Democrats nervous. That's right. They feel that with Schultz in the race, he will take just enough votes away from the regular Democrat, and you will have Donald Trump in for a second term. That's their big fear. But Schultz himself is having trouble already besides that. He's been booed at some of his public appearances. He is also taking flack for resisting higher taxes on Americans like him who are very, very wealthy. He seems like he's doing what a lot of new people do when they get into a presidential race. They haven't thought things out enough to know exactly what people are going to react to. They're not clear enough on what they want to do. He obviously believes that he brings a fresh face and a fresh look to the presidential situation. And how about the widening field of Democratic candidates? How is it shaping up? Well, we have a new entrant, the latest, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, announcing his candidacy, joining a crowded field, including three other senators, California's Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, and New York's Kirsten Gillibrand. The field could get even more crowded if Senator Bernie Sanders and former Vice President Joe Biden announce. The field so far is diverse and left-leaning more than they may want. At least eight Democratic candidates have announced so far, and many more are considering taking the plunge. For WTOP's Dave McConnell, I'm Mitchell Miller, and this is The Week on the Hill. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one.
Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.